So, with that, um, are we in Luke? Luke chapter 1. Um, it's interesting that, uh, hey, let's do this. Let, let's start with a question. We all, we all like questions, right? So everybody, if you have a pen or paper, um, pen and paper, I should say, not or, uh, write this question down because um, I don't think, I've never heard this question asked of me until I asked, asked this question, not saying it hasn't been asked before, but too many people are too godly um, in their own right to, uh, to ask uh, this question. So, question, what do you want from God? What do you want from God? When hearing that question, the first time it popped into my mind, I, I immediately thought, well, I can't ask that question. That's just, that's not right. I can't, I can't even think that. What do I want from God? It's no, what, what can I do for God? And, and, and what does God want from me? Well, it's very clear what God wants from us. He tells us in his word that um, he wants us to be a witness of him a witness for him, a witness to others about what he's done. Clear as clear can be. Uh, the Great Commission, it says, go, and as you're going, make disciples. This is what I want you to do. Clear as clear can be. I think some ambiguity comes into this when we take, and instead of asking what God wants, we ask, well, and if we're honest, what do I want from God? Think of this, and, and, and don't, I don't, you can, try to pin me up later, whatever. But think of this on an honest, on an honest level. If you had, were able to stand face-to-face with God and you were to ask Him for one thing, saying, God, I want this, whatever this may be. Whatever this is, just let that penetrate into your, to your heart. Maybe you, you've never been asked that question. Maybe you never even thought of that question. And you're thinking, well, I don't even know. I don't have an answer yet. Well, good. For the rest of the week, today, whatever, just kind of let that just, I don't want to say boggle, but just kind of ramble around or, or, if you're like me, bounce around in your head until you have an answer. Because I, I think too many times we ask the wrong questions. And sometimes we don't even ask questions. Why well, can't question God? How are you questioning God when you don't even know what you want from God? It's a point to start. I, I would say that if we were to take a poll and everybody would hand in their answers and there would be a grade on this, which I don't see how it would, but if we would just get a compilation of, of everybody's answers of what it is that I want from God, one of, if, if not the top answer, um, I believe would be along the lines, it might not be word for word, but it'd be along the lines of certainty. I just want to know for certain. Like, I, I have these thoughts and the, these ambitions, and, and maybe I'm not even, um, when I t- say certainty, I'm not saying that, well, I wonder if God is real, and maybe for some of you, that's, that's the certainty you're, you're searching for. But maybe it's not, it's not a question of faith in God, but it's, it's a, a certainty in what it is He wants in your life. It's a certainty in what it is He's called you to do. It's a certainty, maybe it's in something that you've been taught in the past and it's just kind of, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe it's just that certainty. 
If it were, were me, I think that I would um, probably lean more to that, to that answer in some different areas or, or, or more than others, I would say. So when asking that, what, what, what do I want from God? You've got you to be honest with yourself. And don't be super spiritual, please. Because if you're super spiritual, you're not going to get um, a true answer. If you ask that question, what do I want from God? Well, I want to know the Bible so I can go and tell um, other people in Africa about... Okay, that, that's a great answer, but is it true? Scrape away all the nonsense. Scrape it all away, answer that question. All right, that's my introduction, because... I believe that that question has been asked many times before. Just because I haven't heard it doesn't mean it hasn't. We're going to see here, in, in, um, as we start into this uh, new series, this, this book of, of Luke, he's going to answer this question um, throughout this whole, the, the, the 24 chapters here. He's going to answer this question of um, things that have been taught for certain. So, as a little bit of a background story... Um, does anybody in here know what Luke's occupation was? Anybody? What was he? He's a physician. He's a doctor. Dr. Luke. So right off the cusp, we, we can see that, that um, a well-educated man who wrote this, this book of the Bible. But he's not, he not only wrote this book of the Bible, he wrote another book of the Bible. Anybody know what that is? Acts. He wrote Luke and Acts. So he has a prequel and he has a sequel. My plan is over the, the, the next um, few years is to go through the book of Luke and then go through the book of Acts. And as we go through the book of Luke and go through the, the book of Acts and as we go through all 52 chapters in which he wrote which is a lot, I, I think that we can answer our questions even further, in, 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 um, or, or maybe this, we can answer questions that we haven't asked yet, but we want the answers to. By a show of hands, am I the only one in here that has questions, um, or has no answers for questions that I don't have? How many of you are in here are confused about the question I just asked? Love it. We're on the same page then. There are questions and there are answers out there that I have yet to ask because I don't know how to ask them. It's like I don't know how to ask that question about the questions. That you don't know. Whatever. Okay. So, but I think that as we reveal and as we open and as we unpack, we're going to see, wait, I do have a question here and I need this answer here. So, Dr. Luke, he writes, um, as he's writing... I, I think it, it's really, this is really cool for me. This is a geek moment. Um, if, we, if we know that Dr. Luke was not a Jew, did anybody know that? He was not Jewish. So Dr. Luke here, he's a Gentile. What's a Gentile? Non-Jew, one that, that, that is not of the chosen race. Very good, good answer. You get a star. Not of the chosen race of God's people, Okay. So he wasn't like born into the family. 
what's also interesting about this is that he is um, the only Gentile to be uh, an author of a New Testament book of the Bible. I, I thought that was, that was pretty neat. And here's something even cooler. If you're geeking like me, you, we're, we're, we're going to have this a good trip. Um, Luke was not a first-generation believer. And when I say a first-generation believer, he did not walk with Jesus. Like, he wasn't like Matthew and, and, um, and, and, and John, who wrote Matthew and John, the Gospels. And he wasn't, um, he, he wasn't like the, the rest of, uh, of the disciples, Bartholomew and Nathaniel and, and uh, Judas, and Judas, not Iscariot. How would you like that name? Judas, not Iscariot? Like, I'm, my name is Judas, but I'm not that guy. Um, <laughs> nuts. But he didn't walk with Jesus. So we're going to see here like what he got, how he wrote his narrative, how he wrote this account was through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, absolutely, as all uh, the Bible is breathed out by God. But it was by investigation. He investigated it. He investigated the story. So as he approaches this uh, narrative and as he's getting ready to write this, um, it's from the, the, like the, the investigator uh, mentality. I, I've titled this, uh, th- this message, or I should say this series, Luke's Case for Your Certainty. I, I was wrestling with the, should it be Luke's case for our certainty? But I, I, as I read more and as I, as I kind of pull apart the, 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 the scripture in Luke, um, we, we, we see that there is an individual concern um, in the writers, uh, in his writings. And, and we see that there's an individual concern in how he identifies um, how Christ interacts with people. So I want everybody to take this on a personal level, like this is a case for my certainty. Certainty in what? Well, we'll discuss that later. So, with that, let's dive into the Scripture and just start talking about it. Luke 1, verse 1. Is anybody else excited? I'm, I'm excited. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Let's pray real quick. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we do ask, uh, God, we pray that as we've opened your word, as we're diving in now, that just for the next few minutes, um, that we can uh, just pull what it is that you've said and, and your message and how we can apply it then to our lives. God, because we want certainty in many areas of, of our life. And, and God, I, I pray that, that we have the open hearts we have the minds, um, as we've discussed over the past few weeks, having them constructing the mind of Christ so we can be effective witnesses for you. God, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you are highlighting um, or if you write in your Bible, you want to highlight verse 4. Verse 4 is like, this is where the whole purpose of the book jumps out at us because... 
It's for that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Now, let's look at the text. Let's go through this text a little bit because I think... um, as, I, I was, uh, as I've been studying for this, um, and, and as I kind of just bring this all together, uh, this, these first four vo- verses um, w- would have been, I could have come up here and done this, um, I, I believe, that I could have come up here and, and, and turned the words just a little bit and said, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who have written a lot of things um, about uh, you know, what the church is doing and what, how God is moving in some, some major ways and how uh, we've been uh, given the Bible and, and we've been taught different things um, about uh, just the miraculous signs and the miraculous miracles in which God ha- has been doing. And, and you know, this, how this has been delivered to us. And you know what? I, I've been following this for a long time now. Um, I, I've, been, I've been studying it. Uh, I've been doing my due diligence in this. So it it was pressed upon me that I I would give you uh, this, um, uh, an account of all of this stuff that I've learned and all of this stuff that I studied because you're a friend of God and you want to know more. And I can give you this so that you can be confident and you can know for sure the things that, that you've been learning. I just summed up those first four verses like in my own words. You see how that could have been a very good opening to any type of meeting together. I say that because I think that this is a real good window into what Luke wants to accomplish with us. He wants us to be able to say, okay, I can relate. Don't raise your hands. And I don't think that, maybe I'm naive in thinking this, but uh, I don't think it's as prevalent in, in our church as it has been in some of us that grew up in church. But um, how many times, again, don't raise your hand. Like Jake said, raise your hand in your head. Okay. I, I have the foam finger guy, the drunk guy at the game going, woohoo, in my head. Um, but raise your hand in your head if you've been to church or you went to church and you're like, I just don't get it. I mean, he's saying this a lot of stuff, and it's just, it's not making sense. Okay, so that guy that's in your head, whatever, uh, or gal that's in your head, or, or the, the cacophony that's going on, um, whatever it is, what we understand from Luke is that he doesn't want that with us. And how can I say with us? Well, he is very clear in who it is that he's writing to. Look at uh, who he is addressing this letter to. Theophilus. All right. Now, I'm not going to insert my own conjecture here. What I'm going to do is tell you what um, the, the name Theophilus means, but then I'm going to also tell you that this is a, definitely a man um, or a, a physical person. Because too many times what people do is they, say, they, they see Theophilus, and it's, it's, um, the, the, the name Theophilus is uh, comprised of two Greek words, uh, meaning uh, friend of God. So people think, well, Luke's just writing to all believers. Well, I, I believe, honestly, that I don't even know if Theophilus was a believer, he was definitely, so well, what do you mean? How can you be a friend of God and not a believer? Well, we, we know throughout uh, even the, the book of Acts primarily, but we know that there are those who are called God-fearers. Like the, the, they fear God, but they haven't had that encounter with Jesus yet. 
I don't know if, this, if Theophilus is this guy, but what I do know is he has an interest in knowing more about God. And, and, and on that note is where I want us to kind of come alongside and, and see, okay, he, uh, the, the, the doctor here is writing to Theophilus, but I'm listening in because I am, I w- if I'm not, I want to be a friend of God. I want to be um, more uh, related and, and more knowing about God. And, and uh, as a side note, we know this is a, is, a, is a true person because he addresses them with the most excellent Theophilus, uh, which is uh, known for, uh, uh, Luke uses it other places in um, uh, Acts as he's uh, addressing uh, like the governors, most excellent Festus or most excellent, excellent um, Felix. So we know this is a, a, a person, a true physical person, but we also know is he's a person of high ranking. So don't let that kind of just seep out the door without understanding that the focus, yes, it was to him, yes, it was for the audience of the friend of God, but it was with importance. Because it, it, it says that... Um, having followed all things closely for some time past. This is not like Luke sat down and he just started hammering away on the keyboard. Remember the typewriters? I don't know. If, I'm sure in the antique store they have them. But he's not, he didn't do it. He had to go and investigate. He was an investigative reporter. We know as um, we, we hear and we see these us and we statements scattered, not only, um, we, we see them here at the beginning of Luke, you dropped your pocket, you, at the beginning of, of Luke, but we see them scattered throughout the book of Acts, primarily, these us and we statements, and it, it's referring to um, the, 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 the doctor here as he's a part of these journeys that were taking place. Uh, essentially, he was with Paul, the apostle, as he went on his missionary journeys. So think about that. It, 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 he's with Paul as he goes, he goes on the missionary journeys. He sees the actual, the evidence of God working in these churches that are planted. But it's also, he was with Paul when he went to Jerusalem to the council, where he met, he, where uh, they, they were in front of um, uh, uh, James, Jesus' little brother. He met Jesus' little brother. He probably met Mary. I'm pretty sure of that because we have a pretty detailed account of events prior to Jesus' birth that involved Mary. So we see that Luke was not just fly by the seat of his pants and just kind of throw something together. He was an investigative reporter for many years, many years. The book of Luke is written right around 62 A.D., right around 62 A.D., which is really cool because we were just in Philippians, which was written right around 62 A.D., um, and which is also really cool because if Luke and Paul were on the road together doing missionary things, well, during that time, Paul was in prison in Rome, repenting his, uh, some of his prison epistles, and, well, Luke was probably right there along with him. So I, I like to, to, to see those kind of geeky moments where... You can see the intricacies and you can see how the, the workings of God bringing people together for a, a, a greater purpose. That, that he, I, I don't believe that they, 
I know that, that, that Paul and I know Luke had, had a, an understanding that they were doing great things for God, but 2,000 years removed, and I didn't think they were thinking of Atwater um, when they were penning the book, but God was. Because it has importance and it, it has purpose for us today. So during this time period, um, around 62 AD, we know that, that Paul has already been on two missionary journeys because he's on his third missionary journey, which was he was you know, in prison for this. But um, we know that uh, Luke was on some of those. So uh, just kind of give you a reference in, in your mind, um, from roughly 52 to uh, 57 was Paul's second missionary journey. So even if we start in 52, so if Luke was with him in, in 52, so at least 10 years, but we know that the council um, in Jerusalem even predated that a little bit. So probably for 15 to 20 plus years, Luke's been investigating all of this. And he's putting this all together. And finally he sits down because it's been impressed upon him. It says, it seemed good to me. It's not like he was walking down the street and saying, oh, ding. No, I'm sure after hearing account after account after account after account of what God is doing, what God has done, not only did Luke become a believer in Christ, he's like, man, I got I, I to gotta preserve this. I got to make sure that these oral traditions, that this um, this message continues on, because it wasn't you know they didn't have the New York Times bestsellers then, like everybody's printing a book up. They didn't have e-books where you can write your own book in a day and throw it out there and and, and everybody can buy it. He wanted to preserve what God was doing in His church. So that we, 2,000 years removed, can read about this. So, this missionary journey. I've always asked myself, like, okay, how did Paul get, like, funding for this missionary journey? Well, I think there's a little bit of correlation here that if Paul, if Luke was on the missionary journey with Paul and they were going about, um, and he was writing, Luke was writing this book and the next book, Acts, for Theophilus, who's to say Theophilus wasn't funding some of these missionary journeys? I don't know. I mean, that, that is a little bit of you know, speculation on my part, but could be. So I, I see this as, you know, there's, there's a greater plan. God has his hands in so many different um, things at one time that we can't even get our minds around. Like uh, Jake talking about the aliens and everything, which, it's Jake, come on. <laughs> Whatever it takes, bro. I mean, hey, I was walking down the road and a tree started talking to me and I told him about Jesus. Um, <laughs> You know, Jesus died on someone like you, maybe your ancestor or something a long time ago. No, but that, exactly, that, that understanding that taking, and that was when we first had that conversation, bringing that conversation back around, whatever it may be, bringing it back around to Christ, that should be our focus. When we look at things, even though it was alien brought the conversation up, God's hand was still in this, was still in the conversation. And, and maybe you are sitting here or you're in your, your everyday life and you're like, well, God's not anywhere around. God's hand isn't upon anything in which I'm doing. No, his hand's all over what it is that you're doing. 
just because you don't want to see it. Most of the time, that's what it is because we're too focused on what I want to do and not what it is that God wants us to do. But we're, we're focused, we have the wrong focus. We don't see that God's working. God's always moving. The, the, the question is, or the, the statement is, I wish God would just give me an opportunity just to do something for him. Are you alive? He gives you an opportunity every time you take a breath. Let's go on. So um, Luke, he, he's writing this, this, this narrative. He, he identifies the things that have been accomplished among us. So like I said, th- this is um, among what is, what is going on um, in the church, what is taking place throughout this Roman Empire at this time in the church. And he then identifies the eyewitnesses. So he makes it clear, like, I didn't see this for my own, with my own two eyes. I didn't see Jesus. He probably never laid eyes on Jesus. Because just um, one uh, time frame, he was after, uh, a little bit after Christ w- w- was on earth. He might have been a little kid during then, but he, he's from, it's thought that, that he's from Philippi, which is another cool intricacy from, you know, Book of Philippians, whatever. Um, so he's from Philippi. Because of geographical location, because of time, he, was not, he did not see um, with his own eyes the, the events that, 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 that Christ did. Like, so the miracles and Christ walking, I'm pretty sure, 99% sure, he didn't see that. So what he has done is he's taken these eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts from those who did and brought it together. And he makes it pretty clear who it is that he takes these eyewitnesses account from. Notice it says the eyewitnesses and the ministers of the word. At this period in time, the ministers of the word would be the the apostles. So those who walked with Jesus were the ones he talked to. So don't, people like to say, well, see, there there it is. The Bible really, this is just kind of secondhand information. Remember, those who walked with Jesus were martyred and died because of what they believed. If it wasn't true, all you got to say at the end of the way, when they're getting ready to execute you, (laughs) psych, just kidding. But what we understand is that that Luke, by him taking the the eyewitness of these individuals, it's as if he is um, putting his life on the line as well. Saying, okay, this is what they're t- telling me. I'm taking this as truth. Please, again, don't, don't hear um, and don't, don't think that uh, this is just Luke's story. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture. 2 Timothy, Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Yes, God used and gave the opportunity to compile all the information, but it was breathed out by God. It was God who uh, gave him the inspiration to pen what it is that he put down. So we know that this is a, an orderly account. He's writing this account. The people say, well, so that means it's in chronological order. It's not what it says. It's an orderly account. What is it an orderly account of? So that you can have certainty in the things in which you've been taught. 
So don't play the game which some people do, and they take the Gospels and they say, well, this happened here, and this happened here, and this happened here. So it must all be, they're all just jacked up in their time frame and everything. Well, there's a specific reason, a specific purpose that this book was written. So it might not be in chronological order, but it's in an orderly fashion so you may be certain about the things in which you've been taught. As a side note, we know that uh, like the, the book of John, it gives us a purpose statement. It's towards the end of the book, but in the book of John, it tells us that um, the purpose for the book is so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God. Luke's purpose is so we can be certain about the things in which we've been taught. So, with that, Next question. Having this introduction, having this mindset, okay, he's writing this to a friend of God. My question is, do you think God cares about you? Don't don't answer that out loud, but honestly, do you think that God cares about you? So when you're in a moment where the world is not going as well as you think it should, or how about just life isn't going as well as you think it should, or just like the terrorist attack in Paris, does God really care? It's a legit question some people ask. Well, I love that understanding in the certainty in which I have, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, absolutely. Why? Because he says so. We not only see that here in this letter as he, um, it, it, he cares about our concern. Jesus himself, if you, have, if you want to flip over to, to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus himself says a, a statement that... Um, I think this should be the anthem for a lot of us uh, because too many times we let this get the best of us. Well, let's just look at 20, 25. I want to get to 26, but let's look at 25. 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. If we could just live in a verse for the week, <laughs> don't be anxious about your life. A lot of you deal with that. What you are to, you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Here's what I wanted to look at. Verse 26, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? What is Jesus saying? He's answering this question, do you think God really cares about you? Absolutely. You're more valuable than the birds of of the heavens. He goes on to say, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? It's interesting to see, and it's interesting to point out um, that when we ask these, these questions of, does God really care? 
It's not uh, reflective, uh, uh, reflectant upon um, the, the character or the person of God. It's reflective of your faith. It's reflectant of my faith. God never changes. The Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Where's my faith? What is it that, 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 that I'm doing to understand or to get through the situation in my life? Instead of trying to blame God, well, if he really cared, he wouldn't let X, Y, Z happen. Oh, no, 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 you have little faith. What are you uncertain about? Because God does care. He does step out, because last time I read, he stepped out of um, eternity past. He stepped uh, down from majesty on high to come and show you his concern. I I like to use the visual illustration. Everybody knows, maybe it's corny, but you you know it. How, How concerned is Jesus for you? This much, right? Don't ever let the devil get in like God doesn't really care about you. Because that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He, he, he questions, he, he put the question of doubt in their mind towards God. Well, God doesn't really want you to do this. God doesn't really want what's best for you. God doesn't really care about you. If he really cared about you, would he let you be going through that Whatever you're going through in your life, would he let you lose your job? Would he let you get your 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 mom or your dad pass or whatever it may be? Would if God really cared, would he let that happen? We're not the judge of that. That's that's not up to us to to, um, decipher if God cares about us. It's up to us to know for certain that He does care about us. And I, I think that this is where um, we can see this shift of what, what Luke is really trying to get to here, really, really, where he really wants us to be. He wants us to have certainty. I read this quote. It says, The relationship between truth and holiness is similar to that between light and vision. Light cannot create an eye or give a blind eye vision, but it is essential to seeing. Wherever light penetrates, it dissipates darkness and brings everything into view. In a similar manner, truth cannot regenerate or impart spiritual life, but it is essential to the, to, to the practice of holiness. Wherever truth penetrates, it dissipates error and reveals everything for what it really is. That's what Luke's doing. So you can be certain he's speaking truth. He's going to speak truth over the next 24 chapters. He's going to speak truth into our lives so so the the, the darkness can flee. So the error of of, of things that that maybe you've been taught in the past or either can be um, affirmed as, yes, that's absolutely true, or you can see, wait a second, that's not what the Bible says. But regardless, you could be... Certain. Why do we need certainty? Why is he going out of his way to uh, take this time, these 20 years or so, to compile this so we can have certainty? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. 
Because again, this is one of those books that, that Paul wrote while in prison. While I'm sure Luke was around him. I just picture Paul and Luke sitting there at this table and they're writing and Paul's looking over and over Luke's shoulder and Luke's looking over at Paul's shoulder and saying, hey, what's God saying to you? Hey, what's he saying to you? I can't wait to read that. Well, I can't wait to read that. Even though yours is kind of hard to read sometimes, Paul. But Peter said that, but still, I'm sure Luke said the same thing. But uh, I'm sure that there, there was some conversation going on. And I'm sure there was some kind of influence that was in there. Look in, in, in chapter uh, 4, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse um, 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of God, or the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, love those words, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Why is it important to have certainty? Why is it important? Why do we need certainty? So we're not tossed all over the place. Because that's what the devil is going to do. The devil is not going to sit there and say, well, God doesn't really exist. doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. He's not going to start that now. That's never been his approach. What he's going to do is he's going to toss different winds of doctrine, different beliefs, and different things at you. And if you don't have certainty, you're going to be tossed all around. Well, I believe this today. Wait a second. Now I believe this. Whoa, I'm back over here. Doubt. What? That's exactly what it is. Doubt. Certainty. What certainty does, it drives out the doubt. Drive out the doubt. That'll be a new campaign. We'll get buttons and everything. <laughs> not, 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 not yes, we can. It's going to be drive out doubt. If Luke was running for president, that's what his, that's what his button would say. Drive out doubt. We know that and we can have that by being certain. So why do we need to have certainty? So we can live a, 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 a life that is full, that is um, effective for Christ. Some of you will say, well, I got that certainty. Awesome. And my certainty comes from good sources. Awesomer. If you're certain, or if you're so certain, if you're absolutely certain about God's truth, about what He's said, and what He's told you to do, and how we should live, then why doesn't your life reflect that? Well, I can stand on God's Word. Yes, I can too, and I'll be two inches taller. Well, maybe not two inches. This is only about an inch. Well, I can be certain about it. Awesome. You can say whatever you want to say. Why are you living like that? Why are you not? If you're so certain in God's truth, then why is your marriage like it is? 
If you're so certain in God's truth, why are your kids like they are? If you're so certain in God's truth, then, then why do you treat um, money or um, sex or whatever like you do? Well, that's kind of crossing the line. I, I'm, not, I'm not crossing any line. All I'm saying is certainty, the certainty that we can have, the certainty, the certainty that we are resolved to in Christ is unshakable. Jesus talks about um, a man who, who, who builds his house on the sand. You know, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. Remember that song? The uncertainty, the sand. He built his house on the uncertainties. And what happened when the floods came, the winds blew? But there was this other guy who dug down deep and built his house on the rock. And when the floods came and the rains came and everything started beating at the house, what happened? It stood firm. Why do we need certainty? So we can dig down deep, so we can lay our foundation, so when life throws its crap at us, we can stand firm and not be tossed to and fro. Where does that come from? It comes from his word. Let's end. So, friends of God, as we embark on this, uh, let's just say this journey together for the next to be honest with you, it's probably going to take a good two years. As we open up God's Word and as we dive in, what I, my, my prayer is, the same prayer, the same purpose as what Dr. Luke had for us. I want us to know for certain. What it is that you're standing on, I want, to, want you to know for certain. I don't want anybody to, I'm not trying to question anybody's intelligence or anybody's spirituality or anything. All I want you to do is, so you, die, you dig down deep and you know for certain. So when, not if, but when life throws the stuff at you and the winds and the waves come, you can withstand that. That's my prayer. That's my purpose. That's what I want. I, I'm, I'm bent on that. Um, I, I have a, an angst towards that, that it's, we need to uh, be... Confident, we need to be clear. We need to be loving him when we do it, but we need to be certain about what it is we say. So, with that, um, I'm going to pray and I'm going to release you. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, my, my prayer is uh, the, the words here that we can be certain about the things in which we have been taught. God, some have been taught more than others here. My, my prayer is that if those things have been taught in the past need to be reaffirmed, Lord, reaffirm them. If those things have been taught in the past need to be broken down and reconstructed on a firm foundation, God, my prayer is that we do that through your word, God, through your spirit. Lord, we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week.